Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long in October, we are caring for our communities. And how are we doing that? Through a variety of experts who are talking to us of about everything that we can do and the the elements that we can do to not only create better communities, but sustain them no matter what they are or where they are in this world. And my guest today is going to talk about something that is very poignant. And now probably when I say this, you're going to say, Michael, this is poignant all the time, but it seems to me, especially right now, uh, many things that are going on in big cities, like uh, my own home city of Philadelphia, I think there is a great uh, need for this kind of training and specialty, no matter what. So Eddie Zacapa is the co-founder of Life Enriching Communication, and he's a certified trainer with the Center for Nonviolent Communication. He's facilitated nonviolent communication workshops, trainings, and programs with individuals, families, parents, schools, and organizations. And he's worked in the domestic violence field for almost 20 years. He's also the author of Principles and Practices of Nonviolence, 30 Meditations for Practicing Compassion, and also the author of Essentials for Cultivating Passionate Volunteers and Leaders, Guidelines for Organizations that Value Connection. He also offers coaching to executives and managers and helps volunteers and employees discover, discover their, get this, full potential on the job. And he's worked with volunteers for over 20 years with various nonprofit organizations, uh, providing volunteer management and also his mission. So thank you so much for joining us today, Eddie. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. I think your mission is really, really important, your specialty, what you focus on, but I just hit the highlights. Tell us a little bit more about you, what you do, this passion for nonviolent communication and how you think it will help us all to shock our potential. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm the founder of Life Enriching Communication. It's an organization dedicated to ending domestic violence mm -hmm. and the cycle of violence. So we work with individuals who sometimes voluntarily come to us, sometimes through the court, they're mandated. Um, but we help them to uh, discover their power over tendencies and the abuse that's been, they've been contributing to and then how they can change that so they can live a nonviolent life right and so that's kind of the theme of my life i guess is you know for 20 years i've been practicing this um with my own family individually and i share i also teach nonviolent communication which is rooted in nonviolence to organizations couples families um so it all kind of ties in you know when it comes to that it's a beautiful mission in many ways because obviously uh, domestic violence is is something that we'd all like to find a permanent solution to, and yet I 
it's something that perpetuates for a number of reasons. So the fact that some people come to you voluntarily is really, that's a great sign of hope. But I think about so much that's going on, like gun violence in a lot of cities and, and it's an incredible amount in Philadelphia right now and many other cities. And I know it's a little bit different, but not necessarily because to me, it's the sense of why can't we resolve conflict in other ways that aren't violent. And so, you know, this whole communication factor is really about how do we talk to each other? How do we deal with controversy? How do we deal? I mean, heck, we're, we're, we have families getting in arguments about who's getting vaccinated and who's not, you know, I mean, we're having a really tough time as a country communicating in a way that's positive and productive and respectful, you know, so this must, it's a great mission, but sometimes what you do must be very daunting. Oh yeah, for sure. Just because I think not not just the people I work with, but anybody uh, has been exposed to this concept of power over, right? And mm -hmm. that's where we use the power that we have, the resources we have to try to get what we want. And we maybe even try to coerce or pressure or control or use rewards and punishment, those mm -hmm. sort of things. And so we're not really thinking about the other person necessarily and what their needs are in that moment and including them in the decision making. Mm -hmm. And so that that's not just in families, that's that's everywhere. You know, I've, I've experienced it in almost any environment I've been in. And so um, that's really the, what we're really going for here is trying to change that uh, approach instead and instead uh, have a need-centered approach, a power with approach. So mm. everybody has power. Power is not a bad thing. Um, it allows you to do things, but use that power with others. Use the resources you have with the resources others have. And that's when collaboration can happen. How do you, well, tell me a little, how did you get involved in this? What, I mean, given a, a lot of your background, I can see a little bit of where it comes, but tell my, tell my listeners a little bit more, because this is a very unique path to go down. And I think, um, very critical, but not everybody would take this, this route. It's, there's a lot of challenges to it. Yeah, I think in some ways I kind of stumbled to uh, along, um, to, towards it. Right. And so, um, I was working in ministry and then, uh, I was deciding to kind of do a career change. I'd just gotten married and needed a little bit more money. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so my mom introduced me to someone at her church who did this work um, with, uh, you know, in the domestic violence field. And so I went and checked it out. At first I was like, I don't think this is for me. You know, I just couldn't imagine doing it, but I said, I'm gonna give it a shot. And when I got there, just that first time, I really connected with the individuals that were there and they seemed to resonate with the message I had and my experiences and I was hooked and then I got hired there. So that kind of started my journey. But I think I was also drawn to it just because, um, you know, I can relate to it in some ways, even from my upbringing, you know, just um, not so much physical abuse, but mm -hmm. the other types of abuse, maybe like verbal, mm -hmm. emotional. I experienced yeah. that growing up. And so it was like something that, you know, I was like, wow, I can do something about this and I want to learn about it too. And then I, along the way, I got introduced to nonviolent communication by a certified trainer who came and did a training specifically for us. And that just blew my world, right? So mm -hmm. I fell in love with that process and started living it out and then also teaching it. So when somebody comes to you and they've been court mandated, for instance, so they're not, they don't have a level of awareness yet of a desire to change, for instance, how do you help them recognize that and, and start to move through the process? Because that's got to be 
in and of itself a huge hurdle to overcome. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things I try to to get across early is if you do anything because you have to, mm. you're going to pay for it. Right. Yeah. And so I try to change that mindset. I said, I really want you to try to think of what you can get out of this, mm-hmm. you know, and I want you to get to a place where you can say, I choose to do this because it will help me with my family or it will teach me more skills or improve my communication. Um, and so that's where I start. And then I try to, you know, just say this is an opportunity for you mm-hmm. to learn and grow, you know, regardless, you know, I don't, I don't want to argue about whether you should be here or not, because sometimes mm-hmm. they want to do that. I'm just <laughs> here to help you, you know, learn some tools and improve your life. Yeah, like you got to be here so you can decide to fight it or not, or maybe <laughs> learn something about it. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a lot of um, violence like this is very cyclical, meaning, you know, it, it may be generational, maybe it's, you know, they've seen it, they were, they were the victims of that themselves, and then they propagate it. Um, is that more likely than someone just, you know, kind of going down this route? I would say definitely we see that. So there, you know, about 70% of boys who witness their father beat their mom, uh, go on to commit domestic violence. And I even ask people in the group, I say, how many of you, when you were a kid, witnessed domestic violence in your home? And almost always seven out of 10, you know, it's like, wow, yeah, it's it's just like, you know, it's not just a statistic. Whenever I ask that question, the majority of the guys uh, have experienced that. Do you think there's hope for us in our communities that because, I mean, there's a lot of things in the world today that we talk about that we never did. We talk about mental health. Uh, we talk about people, you know, um, struggling with anxiety or, or depression. I think we're more likely to have people, um, if they recognize abuse going on around them, more likely to call in for help or maybe even call for help themselves. Do you think we have a chance to stop some of these cycles and, and heal more of our community? I think for sure. And I, and I think we need to do more awareness. You know, I think I know we've, we've done a lot to this point, but we, we can't get uh, lazy. You know, I think it's really important to continue to do this because it really does make a difference. Uh, what happens is that people really normalize a lot of these behaviors, you know, yeah. whatever we grow up with, we, we think is familiar, we think, oh, it must be like this in every household. And right. so um, the more that we can bring awareness to what abuse is, uh, mm-hmm. the more people will feel uh, comfortable or, or just, you know, more safe reaching out for help. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, You know, I was thinking about the correlation of even what what we've had raised now with um, police brutality and and issues, things that were maybe were, you know, uh, not maybe were, um, you know, brushed under the rug for, you know, in many areas. And now the lights are being, you know, shown on areas that's really important. But even with all that, which I think it's very important that we're moving towards more accountability, I'm thinking about Camden, New Jersey, and how even when I moved to Philadelphia, you know, 10, 11 years ago, it was still a very um, scary place. It was in transition, but, you know, the way they made the transition in neighborhoods was having the police actually be involved in the neighborhoods and not just coming in when there was a problem, but walking and getting to know people and, and earning their trust and playing basketball with the kids on the street. And, and I keep thinking about that. That's such a hopeful message of, of just even one way, not necessarily just because of the police, but the more you get to know your neighbors, the more that you, you know, create community, the, the fewer, the harder it is for these things to hide. And maybe the easier it is for us to find solutions 
that are positive and maybe not until it becomes so traumatic. I mean, that's my hopeful view. Do you, do you, have, do you have any different perspective on that? Oh, no, totally. You know, we, we need to work together. We want the police department, fire department to be able to be in touch with what the needs are of each yeah. community and for the community to be able to, to know who those people are that they can reach out to if they need help um, and to just feel comfortable with, you know, with each other. Yeah. Definitely. I I love it. I do. Eddie, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Top Dog Learning Group LLC is a leadership change management and diversity inclusion consulting firm based in Orlando, Florida, but with top doggers, aka consultants throughout North America and beyond. They focus on training programs, both virtual and face-to-face, keynotes and lunch and learns, group and one-on-one coaching, and off-the-shelf solutions. One such solution is their masterclass on the top three strategies to be resilient in times of change. This thoughtful self-paced online training will guide you through three tactics you can use immediately, not just to survive, but to thrive when change comes at you. Use the code RESIL50OFF for 50% off the program. Just go to bit.ly forward slash 3A5MLS6 and enter the code RESIL50OFF in all capitals to redeem your 50% off coupon. The link and code will be available in our show notes as well for easy access. Learn more today at topdoglearning.learningworlds.com. And we are back with Eddie Zacapa and we are talking about um, his passion and his role for creating communities where nonviolent communication is a way to build n- new bridges and, uh, and take care of ourselves and our communities. But, you know, I know that you teach this for a living. Those of us who are listening right now, whether or not we, you know, have this issue or not, I think it all benefit from the kind of tools and resources that you use. Can you share, teach us something, help us to understand how we can employ some of these nonviolent communication techniques into our everyday lives, even, I mean, even I think about conflict in work situations where you might not like somebody, there's a tendency to have, it's might not, it's probably not going to go to punches, but that doesn't mean you're not doing, like you said, maybe talking down to somebody or not, you know, being mean in the workplace. There's a lot of ways that we can take some of these strategies. What, what can you teach us about this? Yeah. So one thing I would say is one of the first components of nonviolent communication focuses on differentiating between what's actually happening, the facts, Mm -hmm. and an evaluation, the story Mm -hmm. in our head, right? And so Mm -hmm. a lot of times in that moment when we are reactive or triggered, uh, we're telling ourselves a story, like this person's Mm -hmm. being selfish or this person's being rude. They don't care. Well, one of the things that we want to bring attention to is that's our story, right? right? And so that may not be what actually happened. When it actually happened may have been that this person didn't see us when we said hi and they didn't say hi back. But we're wow. saying, oh, they're stuck up or they're rude or, you know, we can create this whole story around it, but maybe they just didn't see us or maybe right. they're going through something that day and they're just not in the right place. Um, and so being able to differentiate and just get down to what actually happened can be really helpful. Um, and then connecting with like, okay, now that I'm connected to what actually happened, how do I feel about that? Because mm-hmm. that's much different than how do I feel about the story I've been telling myself. Right. right? 
and then dropping into, well, what is it that I really value in this situation, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in a work setting, it might be productivity or follow through. And so getting connected to that, because so many times we don't communicate that. We just communicate, say something like, you know, you did it again, or you're, you're way behind, or you know. Yeah. And so just, hey, I really want to see how I could support you with being productive. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm curious what, what kept you from meeting your numbers, you know? Yes. Um, so it's a, it's a dialogue, not a coming down on them. Like you did something wrong. Um, yeah. and then the last part is just making a request, a very specific mm -hmm. doable, uh, request that, that we can agree upon to meet each other's needs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's basically in a nutshell, the four components of nonviolent communication. Um, but there's another piece too, that I think is really helpful. And that is like, if you're having a if you're struggling connecting with someone else, you can close your eyes and just imagine what they might be feeling and what their need might be, what they might be really longing for. Mm -hmm. And I've found that just in 15 to 20 seconds, it's like, whoa, okay, that's what's really going on for them. And all of a sudden there's a heart shift and you're able to see that person's humanity and you're not creating this enemy image with that story. Uh, and so that a lot of times helps you to find a solution as well. That's really good. And that really comes back to your book where you're talking about nonviolent communication, but you're also talking about mindfulness and mm -hmm. what kind of meditation practice will help you. You know, it might be difficult in that moment, but the more you train your brain, you do train your brain to stop and wait, hold on before I have my first, you know, the, my story from my head, maybe I need to just breathe for a second, maybe just listen, or maybe try and analyze a little bit. And I think that's really, it's a great technique. You know, I know that there's places all over the country, schools and community centers that are dabbling in meditation and mindfulness, but what a great correlation between nonviolent communication and meditation and mindfulness to create different ways that we react instead of react immediately that maybe we re react thoughtfully or purposefully. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, you can learn lots of communication skills, but if you don't know how to pause and slow yeah. down, it won't matter. So yeah. being able to have a really good gra grounding technique, you know, breathing technique, you know, meditation mm -hmm. can come in really handy. And I love the fact that you said, you know, maybe when you have that moment and you stop and you breathe and you put yourself like, I wonder what that person wants. I wonder what their goal is. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, uh, this was about 10 days ago, uh, went to a, um, celebration of life. And when we walked in, everyone was given this bracelet, just, it's just a string with a little bead on it. And the, the expectation was, is, and you had to have somebody else help you tie it, which was what really made me think of this. And as you put it on and you tie it, you're making a wish. And it says on the little card that when it falls off, your wish will come true. So it was kind of a cute, mm. you know, little, um, you know, thing to take away and make it a positive celebration. But what interested me is I kept watching everybody. I'm like, I wonder what their wish is. You know, you don't really think about that when somebody's blowing out birthday candles, you're like, ah, oh, what'd you wish for? But you don't think about the fact that in that room, there were 50 people closing their eyes letting someone tie something on their wrist to make a wish. And I was like, wow, I, there's 50 people who want something in this room. What a cool thing. I wonder what it is. And as you were talking, I'm like, that's just a perfect way to, to try and put yourself, not necessarily in the other person's shoes, but to understand what's important to them. And maybe then in that understanding, we have different interactions. We communicate differently. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, I love that story. Yeah, that's basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to see what people wish for, what they long for, mm -hmm. right? what their value is in a particular situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I then uh, I was also thinking, you know, long ago when I was taking a, a company through a massive change organization, I had my sales team that was really fired up one day about the marketing department and the marketing department screwed up a ton of ads. I mean, like a ton. Things were really bad. Wrong phone, phone numbers, wrong dates, wrong prices. And it was a disaster. And as my, my sales leaders were calling me and chirping, like, why did they do this? They hate us. You know what? And I'm listening to this. And all of a sudden I said, you guys, do you really think there's anyone in that department that woke up today and said, you know what? My goal is to screw over the sales team. That's what I'm going to do. That's my <laughs> sign of success. And they're like, well, no, I'm like, then could you maybe think that Maybe there was a mistake somewhere and we should figure out not who to blame, but where in the process the mistake was made so we don't have it happen again. And maybe we could help with that. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, they're not trying to conspire against you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But people will make, to your point, that's mm -hmm. the story you're telling yourself yeah. in the head. Oh, why are they doing this to me? How about, mm. hey, I don't think they wanted to do it. And there were probably a lot of people in that department that were afraid for their jobs that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were they yeah. thinking? Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. So I think you're, what, you're do, what you're doing um, has so many applications, not just in, in domestic violence situations where it's obviously critically important, but I think your message really can help all of us in our personal and professional and business lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I love it. Eddie, we're going to have all of your contact information in the show notes, including links to your books. But in case somebody wants to look you up right now and learn more about what you can do for them, their organizations or, or their community, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah. So they can go to our website, lecworks.org, and they can find out more information about what we do there. And then if they want to find more information about me, they can go to my blog, harmonyoftheheart.com. And so mm, there's I a lot it. of uh, articles there, YouTube videos I've done, and a lot of teaching of nonviolent non communication. Excellent. Eddie, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice? You know, I would just say uh, something uh, about when we make a request, uh, just to remember that when we hear no, that no is a gift because it's telling us that there's something that's really important to somebody mm -hmm. else. And they're saying yes to that. And so yeah. I think that's just really important because I, I, I would find I've found that no is like one of the number one triggers for people. It's like mm -hmm. we hear that and we, we, we just get this sense of rejection or whatnot. But to be able to see it as an invitation for further dialogue, there's a need mm -hmm. behind that no. And if we can discover what it is, we can find a solution that works for everybody. Absolutely. I love that because so many times we take no as a personal rejection instead of understanding or being grateful that that person has boundaries or they know exactly what they want or what they don't want. That is truly a gift. That's a great way to look at that. Thank you. I love it. Eddie, thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing not only your wisdom and experience, but your positivity for how we can all continue to grow and care for our communities. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees and sales mixology. 
why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.